Hey y'all, what if you really could change your life? If there was a way to be healthy and intentional in every area of your life? Good news, there is. And we show you how each week on All of You Whole. Hosted by me, Caroline Fossil, entrepreneur, wellness expert, author, and speaker. Every episode is an in-depth look at how to help you get unstuck, be brave in your life choices, and have a meaningful life. All either from my own experiences or from the experts I interview. My goal is to help you build a healthy, connected, and intentional life that fulfills your greatest purpose. When I was in Ethiopia, I remember meeting the women and thinking to myself, you probably made some bad choices in your life to end up in the commercial sex industry, but that's okay. We all make mistakes and life is hard. And the extraordinary amount of privilege that I had in that thought was quickly exposed to me when I heard women telling their stories of why they went into it. One of the fabled stories that Minka Kelly was sitting there with me hearing from the women was that she said she had gone into the commercial sex industry to save her sister from breast cancer. And so all of a sudden I was floored and I was in a situation of, oh my gosh, not only was it not bad choices, these women are making heroic choices that I've never even had to conceive of. Y'all, today is such a special podcast episode. I looked back at all of our previous episodes so far, and I have known Barrett and Marissa, who I'm interviewing today, longer than anyone else I've interviewed thus far, including my husband. (laughs) So as you will hear, Barrett Ward is the CEO of Able Clothing, and Marissa Pardo is the VP of Brand Marketing, and we all started back at a nonprofit together called Mocha Club. So we will share that story with you. I am so obsessed with Able and here's why. Able is a fashion company that creates economic opportunities for women and they really believe that this is the key to ending generational poverty around the world. And in order to continually and increasingly empower women, they make beautiful, long-lasting, wonderful products that we all want to buy regardless of their mission. Like they are just fabulous products. So they started with scarves and you will hear that story. And now they sell apparel, shoes, jewelry, scarves, leather goods. They are making such an impact in this world. And I just can't wait for you to hear this episode and I can't wait for you to buy able clothing and able goods. Be sure to use my code all of you whole to save and you can shop at ableclothing.com. Here we go. Welcome to the show Barrett and Marissa. Woo! Hi. <laughs> awesome. Well, first I want to start by telling our audience the story of how we all met. Does that sound good? Yes, because you're all grown up. I know. Barrett and I were just talking about how he's like, you're still 19. So way before the days of Abel, Barrett and Marissa worked at a nonprofit called Mocha Club that benefited Africa. And I was in their inaugural and best class of interns (laughs) the summer after my freshman year of college. So this was incredible. 2009. Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. That's how I was trying to remember. Yeah. Yeah. In 2009. So it was so much fun. And one memory that I wanted to share was I legitimately think it was like my first week. I, for some reason, I think I started earlier or something. It was just me. And Barrett's like, Caroline, Marissa, get in here. We go into his office and he's like, Oh boy. Okay. (laughs) Y'all there are seven project areas. Don't you guys feel like this needs to be five? Shouldn't this just be five instead of seven? And we were like, sure. (laughs) So we like decision made. (laughs) So I'm not kidding, Barrett. I think we sat there for like an hour, got it down to five. And I'm pretty sure I haven't double checked this, but I'm pretty sure it's still those five to this day. That's amazing. That's how strategy gets done. (laughs) That's how you get done. You just bring in a freshman in college. Oh, anyway. So we have some histories, some memories. It's so fun. And I'm so so excited to have you guys here. And I think that's when we started our campus rep program that summer when you were there, right? Yeah. And then I went back and did it at Georgia. Yeah. So that's when we started it. Go dogs. Go dogs. Go dogs. Yes. So let's talk (laughs) ABLE. Will you guys tell our listeners the story of how ABLE was born? How about you tell it and then I'll fill in the gaps. Oh, (laughs) fancy. So... About that time when you were interning, Barrett had just gotten back from living in Ethiopia and one of those now five project areas was working with women in Ethiopia who had come out of the commercial sex industry. And one of the things we kept hearing from them is we're grateful for the charity, for the childcare, for getting us off the streets. But at the end of the day, what we need is a job. And the things that they had been doing were like, you know, making these cute little greeting cards. They started a little cafe, but it wasn't something that was really providing a sustainable income. And and it's hard to scale. Yeah. Hard to scale. Yeah, it has to be a great product. A gift card is thoughtful, mm-hmm. but you can't build a gift card company like that. Right. You know, that's yeah. truly going to employ a lot of women. And to be fair, we didn't have a strategy of it. <laughs> Scaling is a massive thing either, fair enough. But, <laughs> but we did want something for these three initial women to give them a job that would, would last. So scarves actually giving credit to Barrett's wife, Rachel, they were in the market and saw these beautiful scarves. They were bringing back to friends in the States. And I remember the story as you're like, are these cool? Or are these just from Africa? <laughs> and she's like, no, these are actually really cool. And so connected the dots. That was always a age old tradition that men typically did weaving and taught these three women how to weave scarves. And we launched with those in October of 2010 within three months, sold over 4,000 scarves. And it's, it's so cool to think back because that's when like Tom's and people were starting yes. to think about like something having a story and a purpose tied to their purchases, but it really wasn't a thing yet. Social enterprise, all that right. wasn't really a thing. We just kind of stumbled into it. And I remember us saying like, okay, we shouldn't make it be fashionablescarves.com. We should have it be, you know, live fashionable.com in case we ever wanted to do something other than Which scarves. Which is so <laughs> genius, honestly, like so genius. And that's when I like help people on the side with their businesses. I'm like, guys, think big, like King Arthur flower is now King Arthur baking, but you know, 200 years ago, had they thought, what if we go beyond flour? You know, so like, yeah. that's so smart of y'all to think, what if we go beyond this? So great. What if we had thought ahead and not said fashion able and just said able? Yeah. <laughs> well, well, we were nonprofity at that time. We weren't very yes. cool yet. Yeah. yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong, but it started with Mocha Club first, right? 
That's right. Yeah, were, because were I you mean, not on that intern team, Caroline. Did she was here before. Well, be- I I was there like that summer. We were like getting scarves. Like I remember. Okay. So you, okay, okay. Because I was there through August, September, yeah. I guess, and it launched in October. So I remember being like, I think oh, this you were could there work then. out. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Sure, you were there for the I mean, beginning. What, yeah. Th- there's cool. two reasons I think it really took off. I think one is this concept of employment as a solution to poverty really is something that, that our consumer identified with. It was not an idea of you buy a product and we give more money to charity. It was you buy a product and that will give a woman a job. And, and the idea that if you're to be serious about solutions to poverty, you create jobs for women. Right. And that was a big one. And I think the other one too, is consciousness of consumers was really hitting a tipping point for me. When I was in Ethiopia, I remember meeting the women and thinking to myself, you probably made some bad choices in your life to end up in the commercial sex industry, but that's okay. We all make mistakes and life is hard. And the extraordinary amount of privilege that I had in that thought was quickly exposed to me when I heard women telling their stories of why they went into it. One of the fabled stories that Minka Kelly was sitting there with me hearing from the women was that she said she had gone into the commercial sex industry to save her sister from breast cancer. And so all of a sudden I was floored and I was in a situation of, oh my gosh, not only was it not bad choices, these women are making heroic choices that I've never even had to conceive of Mm -hmm, to support my family, my friends, et cetera. And so I think that level of consciousness from our consumers was, you know what? These women, all they need is an opportunity. They Mm -hmm. just need an opportunity and they will take it and run with it. And that's what happened. I mean, within a couple of years, there was 30 women making scarves in in Ethiopia. And thankfully, scarves were really cool in 2010, 2011. Yeah. Oh, man. We laugh about like, we had infinity scarves and summer scarves. Yes. You know. Oh, we had, we all had 75 scarves and we like watched videos on how to tie them. Yeah. It's like such, and even especially in like the Christian subculture, we all had our skirts and our scarves you know it's like such a thing yeah. i love it very so modest much. yeah yeah <laughs> yeah to cover that up i love it so much and I, you, honestly i feel like it's such a benefit to you guys somehow everything in america is politicized but giving people jobs is universal everybody mm-hmm. loves to employ people and that's well, so what great. made you what made you think of that because that is actually a brilliant insight mm-hmm. like i have felt that in the past too that very accidentally we nailed the marketplace. Like we did what we thought was right, but maybe we were at one of those rare moments in time where the marketplace was ready to see this, not about minimum wages, not about anything, but look, the two ways you combat poverty is through creating jobs and doing so for women. And we have not gotten blowback on that concept. Oh, of course. From the furthest to the left to the furthest to the right. Exactly. You're right. Everybody loves it, which I mean, because they should. That's so amazing. So before we talk about sustainable fashion, really deep dive into that, I like to give our listeners a picture of the bad. <laughs> so can you guys explain to us what does fast fashion truly look like? Because unfortunately, I think a lot of times we go to wherever at our mall, if we still go to malls or have malls, and we pick out a t-shirt that's on sale or whatever. Can you guys give us some insight into what does it take to make a fast fashion 
t-shirt, for example. Do you want me to take that? Yeah. It's understanding some baseline things about the industry, right? So there was a film called True Cost that came out about, well, I guess 10 years ago. It's on Netflix now. And if you haven't watched it, watch it. And it starts to help you understand things like only 2% of the people making clothing in the world, the manufacturing label, earn a living wage. So that means 98% of the clothes we wear are made by someone that cannot make ends meet. And 75% of them we know are women working 60, 70 hours a week, sometimes six days a week just to live. And so that, that creates an immediate platform of, is my purchase doing good or doing harm? Right. Now that is a huge issue. And there's also the sustainability side of the environment that you're pointing out too. And so when you're churning and turning product that used to be on seasonal cycles of spring, summer, fall, and then you find out some of the big companies are doing weekly seasons and the amount of churn they have and the amount it goes to waste, then you understand how that becomes an issue as well. Driving up consumption 400% in the last 20 years, the data is all there. Mm-hmm. So as the ship lands, though, what's interesting is it's still hard to find sustainable brands and sustainable clothing. And when a oh, yeah. price point is a lot cheaper in one place, then that's an easier choice to make sometimes. So one of the things Carolyn Moran said to us, who is an influencer, that I thought was really interesting is she said, it's also about making sure that you are putting your wardrobe together in a way that that you're not having to purchase so much stuff every single season, right? So that you, what would you call it? Capsule wardrobe? Capsule wardrobe. Like, yeah, like absolutely. Fewer, better, buy once, buy well, kind of. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and that's the zone that we're that. trying to live in as a brand. Of like, for example, our denim jacket is epic. Everyone loves it. I and wear it something that every single day that I can in Colorado. Like, every day. I'm like, again. ROI. <laughs> yeah. Right? Exactly. And, And so that's what we're trying to build as a brand is not only clothes through responsible production, but also things that you'll want to own over the long haul. Both of those strategies mitigate the challenges that we face both from an environmental side and the labor side. Mm-hmm. In the yeah. fashion industry. Yeah. Absolutely. There's a term called cost per wear that you can mm-hmm. like for the denim jacket, for example. And it came out five years ago. And if you think about, yeah, even if you wore that five times a year, like the cost per wear that you're getting on that versus something for a third of the price that you're probably going to give to Goodwill the next mm-hmm. year, you know, so And I think the interesting thing about that is there's a mindset shift Mm -hmm. that happens for the consumer, right? Like I'm wearing two pieces from Mabel right now and I wear these overalls all the time. And so I think that that's a mindset shift that needs to happen instead of that's cute. I'm going to get that because it's on sale or like even it's, it even goes down to shopping for me. So I tried to capsule wardrobe. I have like no clothes when I actually funny story, when I was going on my book tour for my cookbook, my stylist came over and she's like, so we just usually start with your stuff because it's easier. And like, I'm sure you have so many good things. I'm like, let's look at your, let's look at your jewelry. And I literally had like able studs and like, a pair of hoops. It was just like nothing. And she like looked at my closet and she's like, So I take that Are back. We need wash? to go shopping. Like, yeah. The dry- yeah, yeah, yeah. She was like, so take that back. We're going to put some stuff together. So anyway, but I do think that there's like a mindset shift with like, 
instead of thinking like, what can I get for less? It's like, what can I get that I will, that looks great on me, that I feel confident in, that I will wear forever and ever and ever. And that's a mindset shift because the difference between I want to go to the store and find something for $9.99 versus I want to spend $150 on this jacket, this, these overalls, whatever. And I'm going to keep it for five years. That's just a different mindset, Mm -hmm. you know, but it's beneficial for the consumer for sure. So, you know, side note, we make overalls. Yeah. Awesome. (laughs) I didn't know that. They're so cute. They're so cute. I know you can only see like the top and, you know, our listeners can't even see them, but they're very cute (laughs) and I love them so much. So just like we were talking about, one of the problems is with fast fashion is we get something on sale. We wear it a couple times. It's not quality. So there's a hole in it from our jeans button, whatever. We throw it away. So ultimately our clothes end up in landfills. So I know Abel's doing so much in the sustainability front and to prevent that. So can you share some of the things with us? To prevent things from landing in a Mm -hmm. landfill? Yeah, just like sustainability stuff. You know, you guys like talk to me about quality. Talk to me about lifetime guarantee. Like you're doing so many things. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And we've actually even landed on the word responsibility as kind of an overarching term because sustainability and even ethical, they have so many definitions and it's such a wide interpret for your own. thing. So we landed on responsibility. And like Barrett said, we've, we were really focused on the actual people side of that to start. That was how we began. It was creating jobs, but then realized very quickly, the people we're trying to help also need a planet that is safe for them and a safe working environment there. And then so much goes into that in terms of materials and the amount of water that's used and all of that in the production itself. But then you even get outside of production and it's okay. Packaging it's how much are we recycling in our own jewelry studio here in Nashville? And then, like you said, our lifetime guarantee and really trying to to hone in on the idea that this is something you can have forever. You don't have to give it to Goodwill. If something breaks on it, we will either repair or replace it. We want this to be something that is not ending up in a landfill. But to your point, Caroline, it's you don't put a lifetime guarantee on something if you're if you know that it's gonna actually start falling apart right. in a few months. Of course. Right. Yes. And so we we have that confidence because of the materials and production. I mean, I meet people with for example, bags from yes. Abel from 10 years ago. And it's just so exciting to hear that it's still their favorite bag and it still holds up. Right. And so that speaks to the quality of the product that it's not just going to fall apart. And then I love the lifetime guarantee so much because I feel like our grandmothers, I had older grandmothers or like great grandmothers, they, they had this concept of mm-hmm. buy something that's quality. Like you mm-hmm. save up, you buy something that's quality and it gets a hole. You either patch it you sew up the hole, like you mend it, you fix it, you know? And so this concept of just throwing things away, it's like, oh my gosh, they would have never done that. And even if it's like beyond repair, it's like, oh, well, these overalls, we're just going to sew them up. And now they're Ella's overalls. Like it's just, (laughs) they would just use everything. And I feel like we don't do that anymore. And so this concept of lifetime guarantee and quality products kind of brings us back to those days. Like if you can't mend it, which I Mm -hmm. can really, then 
you guys will, which I think is so fantastic. Yeah. And I hope it really gets people. I don't personally, that. just to be clear. <laughs> yeah. When you say you Between guys. Between the two of us, no so and But <laughs> You're not mending my overall spirit? <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> but I think because our price points are a little higher than maybe the fast fashion that a lot of people are used to, I think it really helps get people over that hump. I know for myself, like some brands that have started to offer the lifetime guarantee thing. I'm like, why wouldn't you buy it from this? Like if you have oh. literally, I love that buy once buy well phrase again. Like, yes. it's like, I'm like a Bomba socks evangelist. I'm like, wait, does really Bomba do lifetime? Yeah. Okay. So I wear darn tough socks and they're okay. wool and I love them and they're lifetime guarantee. And I do it all wool. the time. You're so Colorado. I'm so Colorado. It's actually from <laughs> Vermont, but yes, okay. uh, um, but they're difference. like, same <laughs> this is the same and yeah. they're lifetime guaranteed, just like Bombas apparently. Yeah. And I, I do, I'll get like a little hole and it's always in the same spot. I'm like, I need to I like know. walk <laughs> like, different or something, <laughs> but you know, I, I send it I back like, me again. I, got yeah. Hole. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they'll send you new socks. So it's like, honestly, mm -hmm. you buy seven pairs of socks. Sure. Right. It might be hundred and twenty dollars which sounds exorbitant but it's like that's the only time you'll ever spend money on socks i know so great I know. unless you lose them Genius. which has happened to right. me so don't lose your sock but no it's so true i yeah buy once buy well such a good phrase so like you were saying marissa like sustainable fashion that term can mean a million things to a, a million people so how would you define you said you want to use the term responsibility for able mm -hmm. so like talk to me about what how would you define that the reason we like responsibility and being brought in that we've already talked about our focus specifically on helping women create jobs and working to build living wage jobs. We talk about sustainability and the efforts towards the environment, but what happens is it feels like branding becomes about picking your one pillar and then just mm -hmm. pumping that as hard as you can to the marketplace. And we've wanted to build a culture at ABLE that responsibility is, it goes into every single choice that you make. So for mm -hmm. example, with our employees in Nashville, every single woman in the business is an owner. Everybody gets an option for 100% of their healthcare to be covered, 100% maternity coverage. We contribute $10,000 to any adoption issues or infertility issues for women. And so that to me speaks towards not, hey, let's invest all of our marketing expense over here and mm -hmm. pushing that fill in the blank story, but how are we living it out in all the parts of our company? And it really lands on the people. So yeah. that's how I think of responsibility. And I would add two things to that. A third pillar too is responsibility to our customer. We know we, we talked about lifetime guarantee. We also have this really amazing service called size swap that we're doing on our yeah. core collection that you and I know go as a woman, when you have babies, just life changes, size changes. We want to be there with you. And again, take away that hurdle of feeling like you have to make a decision once on a size and that if mm. it changes, we'll change with you. But then also just our bigger, even vision on, we extended our sizes this year and really right. trying to, and then packaging, like just things, I think to give Barrett credit, he's like, okay, this might be the harder thing to do. This might be the more costly mm -hmm. thing to do, but it's the right thing to do. So we're going to yes. do it because we feel like we have a responsibility. We even landed on our tagline this last year of moving fashion forward. And I think yes. that comes into all those different areas of like 
through creating jobs, through the environment, through doing the right thing for our customers and our employees. And we feel responsible. We have a responsibility and we're going to do this together kind of a thing. So man. Okay. Um, so two things there. I've always seen side swap. Like I see it, but I never read. So that's amazing. Like I was thinking it was like, you get the wrong size in your order, just swap it out. So like try it on at home, <laughs> but you're saying my body changes. Yeah. I can and to give you how credit, that we work? haven't, we haven't fully like blasted it out. We kind of okay. soft launched it this yeah, spring. Yeah, yeah. So you haven't totally. fully it. Okay. Um, so, but explain to yeah. me this process. Cause I'm obsessed. Yeah. Yeah. So like my so body changes, what happens? I send it um, back. Yeah. You just email customer service and we will send you a new size. As long as it's in that kind of core collection of our pieces that carry forward through seasons. The evergreen product. Evergreen. Yeah. I will do that. (laughs) That is fantastic. And okay. So we don't have to get political here, but tons of women issues in the news. We've been talking about women a lot with everything in Congress. I'm just curious because all of the things that you said you do for your women employees like this, these are all the things I'm like, guys, let's just do all these things. Like these things just make sense. So how have you seen those policies among your Nashville employees? How, I don't know, how do they benefit? How do you see that working really well? I don't know. Just talk about those policies. I want to know how that works out for y'all. I would just tell a couple of stories. I mean, I, I remember standing by the water cooler and one of the women that we work with who had come out of the commercial sex industry and addiction actually came to me and said, Hey, we haven't met yet, but I just want you to know a year ago I was homeless and I've got my first home now and I've got a job and I'm pregnant and I'm going to have a maternity leave. She was mm. like, I couldn't even remotely ever have conceived of being in that situation. Wow. And so what it does is it just gives everybody a chance to step into an opportunity zone where they can fall backwards a little bit and still fall on a soft bedding, right? Because I think if I look at my life, if anything ever hit a big challenge or a big obstacle, if if addiction took over in my life, I've got a massive community to fall back on. And I think that's a lot of the times what people lack and that's what we try to be at ABLE. I thought you were going to tell the story about the glasses too. That was a cool one. Do you remember you had another moment at the water cooler where someone came up to you. So Barrett just stays Barrett at the water cooler. Just a lot I just drink a lot of water. Notice my skin. And that's it. It's, oh, it's no, collagen that's right. and water. I remember she that. came up and she said, I've never had insurance before to get an eye exam and get glasses. And this is the first time <sighs> in my life. I've yeah. She came up to me. She's like, do you think my glasses are cute? I was like, yeah. And she goes, well, yeah, I've never <sighs> had glasses before. I couldn't afford them. Yeah. So yeah, it's wow. just giving people a similar platform of dignity to, to launch out of and, and living wage is a beginning point for that, but it's right. not the end point. Right. Mm-hmm. And then I think where Barrett is our solo dude on our entire team. <laughs> so <laughs> we are, and because we are so many women, that means we are also a lot of moms. And I think it is a really great place for moms. And like you said, trying to have a really I was the first maternity leave, got to set the, but yeah, but since then I've been able to offer such an amazing benefit to so many women on our team to take that time and be able to come back and even be flexible on what that looks like as they transition back and all that. So 
Yeah. Yeah. I heard, I heard this like terrible guy talking about like, but women are terrible employees because they like go and have babies. And, and I was like, okay, so. That's oh my gosh. Awful. Right. So, <laughs> but I was thinking about like, as you were talking, I'm like, I bet you like, have, have these policies created longevity with employees? I think so like, for sure. I feel like if I had all of these benefits, like, can I work at Able? Like, I just, I'm like, if I <laughs> had on. all these benefits, I would, you would stick around, right? Like, especially these people saying, I've never had insurance and now I have insurance. I now have the ability to have a maternity leave, to be with my kiddos, to like all these things. Like, it just creates this wonderful environment where you would never leave. And the benefit to the employer of longevity is so great, right? Like, you have all these people who are trained, who want to be there, mm-hmm. who understand the mission and, all of those things. So I just applaud you guys. That's so fantastic. So we're talking about slow fashion, sustainable fashion, responsibility and everything. So I feel like in the market, there's these terms. They're like, we're slow fashion or we're sustainable. But I feel like there's that. And then there's able. And so I feel like able goes a million steps beyond sustainable fashion because of the philanthropic heart that we kind of like touched on earlier. So can you tell us more about like, let's go back to who is making able products. So both like in Nashville, but also abroad. Yeah. When we started, I think Marissa said it well, there wasn't a big vision for a huge company that we were going to build. It was just my wife and I live in Ethiopia and meeting a few women that said they would like to have a job. Sure. And, and, but once it took off so strongly, we realized we had something here. We had an opportunity to grow more opportunities for women. And in Ethiopia, we've seen that continue over and over and over where, for example, one of our sourcing agents that, that did kind of the management of our production in Ethiopia said to me, Barrett, I'd like to leave my job with Able, and I actually want to start my own manufacturing company and provide everybody a living wage. And we've actually had that happen twice with two sourcing agents that have started their own businesses making leather products and creating jobs for women. So it is an attractive opportunity, obviously. Yeah. When Rachel and I moved back to Nashville, we really missed being amongst those that we sought to serve and realizing in our own backyard there's plenty of people that need opportunity. And so we partnered with an organization and started up a jewelry business. And that jewelry business is meant to accomplish the same things internally. And then I would just say more broadly to the idea of supporting women who have overcome. I don't know anybody that doesn't feel like they've overcome a lot in life. And we just want to create an atmosphere where people can feel safe to do those things where there's a community that they know they can come to work and share what they've been through and find support in that work environment. Because like you said, when you double down on those things, you can either look at them as an expense or an investment in your people. And yes, we're an investment in people business. And I think it was a really beautiful opportunity when we brought the local piece in to say, okay, we're all able to do something because of our job. Like Barrett's saying, like we started in the very beginning with these little tags in Ethiopia that women would say, because of your purchase, I'm able to send my son to school, have dignity in my work, fill in the blank. But then bringing that piece to able back to local, it wasn't just the women making the jewelry, but then everybody who worked with us, we we're all able to do something because of this job and this company. And yeah, I'm really trying to 
create an equal playing field there, I think is important. Yeah. And I think the other thing is as we started growing and you can fill in some blanks here too, but and realizing, okay, if we want to actually make a difference in the fashion industry and add in these other categories, we have to also participate in what's already happening with these bigger factories and bigger categories and countries. And, and we can't just do our strategy of helping entrepreneurs start smaller businesses, but also partner and create standards in these other manufacturers. Yeah. How do we dive in with larger manufacturers and help them do what they're doing better? Because when they're working with so many people at such a large scale, if we can start creating a company that creates awareness around this space, mm-hmm. if we can get to kind of made well type size of a business or an Everlane type size of a business, but really demonstrate you can do this responsibly from top to bottom, then we really believe consumer demand will force that issue across the industry yeah. and not just not just the boutique people saying, Hey, we're doing a nice thing over here in our small segment, but really force the industry to acknowledge what we're doing. Yeah. That's so great. So then explain to me how the manufacturing piece works, because I mean, you started out with scarves, you started out with like a woman literally weaving a scarf. So it's like one, one to one ratio of like one woman to one scarf. And then even with leather, it was handmade. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 And so it's still handmade, but some of these things like the overalls I'm wearing clearly have to be manufactured. So then how does that process work? So there, there's that segment that you just described, which is like our jewelry made in Nashville, our leather products made in Ethiopia, scarves in Ethiopia. That's the small business segment. The large business segment is first identifying ma- manufacturers that are already operating responsibly, mm. but it's also understanding that what the story we're not trying to tell the world is, you know, that we're doing it perfectly and every manufacturer we work with is doing it perfectly because that flat out, if anybody's saying that is lying, mm-hmm. everybody has the opportunity to do it better. So we really believe let's be honest with our consumers. Mm. We do not have to be perfect before right. we are honest. Right. Yeah. And, and everybody kind of intuitively knows Oh, well, that's good because I'm not perfect either. And <laughs> yes. you know, I got junk I'm working out. So thank yes. you for being honest with me and letting that right. be your guiding principle. Sure. So with these manufacturers, for example, we found to the point of your denim, a manufacturer that does really good work with in the environmental side of it. Mm-hmm. 100% recycling of the water that they're using. Right, it's huge. So it's first identifying responsible manufacturers that you can then grow with on both the sustainability and people side of the coin. And having some non-negotiables in there, like are you creating upward mobility opportunities for women? Are you giving equal opportunities to hiring women? Those things that are at the core of who we are, those are some non-negotiables as we find new partners as well. Even to Barrett's point is there's always room to improve and make it better. No, and I love that too because, and that's why moving fashion forward as a tagline is so great because I feel like what I see with that is continued progress. So not like we have arrived, but like we can always make things better. So I appreciate that so much. Okay, well, I wanna ask you guys some final questions. So I asked two questions to everybody I interview. So I'm I'm gonna split this up since there's two of you. So Barrett, I wanna ask you at the end of your life, when you're looking back, what will a successful life look like to you? Well, it might sound cheesy, but I have four daughters. <laughs> and honestly, I just want my daughters to have healthy, 
relationships, happy lives, live in faith. And man, I just kind of feel like people get really focused on doing something big, right? Having influence on big things, tons of people, the bigger that it is, the better. And no matter how big Abel has gotten, it's not my experience that it's more fulfilling the bigger it gets. What -hmm. makes it fulfilling is when inside our building, the relationships are good and people feel healthy and happy to be in that environment. And so in the same way, I just want my daughters to know and uh, that they are treasured and loved and not despite their, the mistakes they make in life, but regardless. Mm -hmm. And so anyways, I think that's it for me is four (laughs) girls at my funeral saying I had a good daddy. Oh, I love that so much. Okay, Marissa, this is two questions in one. So what is something first that you feel like you've been specifically intentional about recently? I think that my husband and I are trying to be really intentional about carving out time for us. I think as we've Mm -hmm. become parents, it's so easy to let everything focus on kid first. And yes. And I think we just instilled a, okay, we're doing a weekly date night or mm-hmm. that's going to be a non-negotiable, like just different things that we need to make sure that we're not forgetting us while we're just living side by side as parents too, and busy, crazy jobs. So yeah, so that's something we just are, have kind of started the last month or two. We're getting into some new hobbies together and trying to add a little fun as Annie F. Downs would say. Um, <laughs> but, but yeah, trying to just make sure we're spending that quality time together. I love that so much. I know it's funny when we do weekly date nights most of the time too. And between that and like, we try to take one trip together a year and like it cracks us up because we will talk and talk and talk and then be like, what else should we talk about? Like no one's interrupting us. We're so used to like mom, 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 mom. Uh That when you can just like talk forever, like, I'm not kidding. We'll be like black holes. Like we'll start talking about like, (laughs) I'm like, do you think there's alien life somewhere? Like we'll have these like (laughs) conversations because like you talk through all of the basic stuff and then you're like, Hmm, you know? Yeah. Okay. Barrett, I'll swing the next one to you. So what is something Barrett that you feel like you want to be more intentional about in the future? Date nights? <laughs> Weekly date nights? Yeah. Okay. Rachel's listening. She's like, oh, oh, holy mackerel. That's amazing. Okay, great. You know, to, to be more intentional about, I, this. that's funny. I feel like I need to be more intentional about intentionality. I, I am not a girl. You're intentional with your girls though. I am, but you know, when I think of intentionality, I think of like thinking further down the road. And mm. I certainly think about what do I want their emotional health to be like and what do I want and what am I pouring into them in the short term but I think I have to start writing things down I mm. you know that that is real that when you write it down when you cast a vision when you put it on paper the value of even being able to show my daughters two years from now here was my goal for you and here's what mm, yeah. I, and here's how I built into that developing that kind of plan feels like something I need to do so check back in with me <laughs> yeah we'll have you that. back no I love that so much and I was telling a friend recently I like journal prayer and I was telling my friend, I'm like, yes, God is a God of miracles and he answers prayers. And I know that to be true. I also 
think there's something to be said about like even consciously writing something down. Like, for example, there's an arts school in Denver and Ella's just an artist as she can be. She's like such an artist from birth. And so she's considering it and just writing down like, God, help me talk to people that go to this school. Help me get more information. Help me like prepare Ella for this. And then even just praying that I'm like, I like stopped and like posted on Facebook. Hey, are there any moms with kids who go to this school? And I'm like connected to those moms now. Right. So kind of like what you're saying, like being intentional, it's like, yes, God answers prayer. And also we start to take things into our own hands when we write things down. When you like really say, yeah, I have this good. goal, then you start to action item it, start to make it happen now. So that's so good, Barrett. Well, thank you too for being on the show. I want everyone to know where can they connect more if you, with you personally, if you want that or with Abel. I mean, Barrett is all over the socials, so... <laughs> <laughs> we, I, I love it about him that he just could care less. Oh, about Chaz has none. Him. My husband yeah. has not a single one. I think he might have LinkedIn, but he might argue me, argue with me yeah. on that. You I think he has LinkedIn. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll connect. Uh, Barrett, yeah. We do. We both have some LinkedIn. <laughs> so we are at Abel on Instagram and all the places. So that's probably the best place. And ableclothing.com. Yes. Shop online. Perfect. And yeah, then I will include my code and everything in the outro. Thank yes. you both for being here today. It has been so fun chatting with you. Such a pleasure. We Thank have enjoyed you. it. Thank you. Thank you so much, Marissa and Barrett, for being on the show today. It was such a treat and a delight to catch up with y'all. And I'm just so glad that the world will now know about Abel. Be sure, listeners, to check out Abel, all of their products on their website at ableclothing.com and use the code ALLOFYOUHOLE for 15% off your order on all full-price non-collab items. Thank you so much for listening, and I will see you next week. 